Most of Wildcard Weekend is in the books, and a lot of possible Vikings head coaches were featured in those games. Let's check out what we learned from all those games here on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal in the Kitty Coffee Dolphin math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today on the show, oh, by the way, thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Of course, every single day, it's what we do here. So today on the show, I'm not going to like recap Wildcard Weekend. You can head over to Locked On NFL for that. By the way, find me uh, tomorrow on Locked On NFL talking about the Monday night game between the uh, Rams and Cardinals. My buddy Ross and I do that every week as well, um, if y'all didn't know. But you can check all that for like game recaps. But from a Vikings perspective, what we're watching for, a whole bunch of Vikings coaching candidates coached in those games. So we should probably take a look at that. But at the same time, we kind of have to talk about how to parse that sort of thing. So I want to talk about that. But don't forget, it's Monday. That means mock drafts is mock draft season. So we're going to do a little mock draft. We're going to keep just doing for the first couple of times. We're just going to do one round. We'll maybe expand it um, once I feel like I've got the first round a little bit more handled. But first, let me catch you up on where we're at with all of this. So GM interviews and head coaching interviews have both been requested and started. If you want to talk about the GMs, go listen to Friday's show. That was an extra long episode where I went over kind of the information about all those GMs. And it kind of depending on I wrote an article to this effect, too. Uh, at zone coverage, depending on the problem you had with the Vikings, like what your biggest gripe with the Vikings is, if you think that they made panic moves and you want to, you want them to be more steady. If you think they just, just please fix the O line. Uh, if you think it was a culture problem, whatever your biggest gripe is with the Vikings, there is probably a candidate that is pointed directly at solving that problem. And that's probably how you're going to pick what candidate you want. And I think that's an important thing to think about before the Vikings make their decision about that. I, I think it's good to like go through that process too. So go check that episode out. I'm really happy with that episode. I'd love it if you watched it uh, or listened to it, depending on if you're on YouTube or uh, elsewhere. But for now, let's talk about the head coaches. Um, So there have been seven formally requested head coaching interviews so far. All the reporting is that this ain't it, um, but this is the start. Uh, There are a lot of coaches who are still coaching in the playoffs. Some teams, I think, are going to be more chill about those guys interviewing for head coaching jobs than others. Um, Some teams might just make people wait till the end of the playoffs and stuff. But we do have at least a start. So let me just rattle off those names for you. And then we'll talk a little bit about how those ones, those those guys coached if they did coach this weekend. So the list goes uh, Todd Bowles, who I've been talking about a ton. A lot of people tagged me when that news broke. So thank you, everybody. That made me very happy that I had like 17 notifications of people saying like, hey, Luke, Todd Bowles is going to interview for the job. And that does make me happy. I like Todd Bowles. Um, Nathaniel Hackett, a lot of people really like him. Packers offensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, the Cowboys defensive coordinator. He lost over the weekend, so he'll be uh, he's got free time now. D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator on the other side of that game. 49ers DC kind of a budding star right now because I think what his unit did was pretty cool in that game and he's kind of getting on the map. Kellen Moore, very hot candidate, although he didn't have a great game on it. We'll talk about all that. Um, But yeah, Kellen Moore, Jonathan Gannon, Eagles defensive coordinator and the Rams offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, who will, of course, uh, he'll do his job tonight but hard to know what he does and what Sean McVay does and stuff. I'll see if I can't uh, take a look at it. But 
I digress. Let's talk about some of these. With the caveat, of course, that this is one game shouldn't like define your opinion of a guy. Like if you really liked Kellen Moore and the offense that he called and the cleverness and the Hulk package and all that cool stuff that that made him such a whiz kid and you were like really into that. If you go listen to my first head coaching candidates episode, I'm not as into it. But if you are, you probably shouldn't let that wildcard game dissuade you because it was just one game. Um, and you know, they, they couldn't block anything. That's a really difficult position for an offensive coordinator to be in, um, that 49ers Dallas game that the 49er defensive line was killing the Cowboys offensive line. That said, there were some weird moments that we kind of have to reconcile with. And I guess since we're talking about him, let's start with Kellen Moore. Um, the end of that game, if you missed it, the Cowboys lost that game by six, and they were driving at the end of the game with 40 seconds, no timeouts. They were driving down to see if they couldn't get a touchdown. And the 49ers were backing really, really far off and letting a lot of stuff underneath. So the Cowboys just kept taking quick outs and actually got to reasonable Hail Mary range. They got to like the 40 with like 13 seconds left or something like maybe 17 seconds. Um, And then you thought it would be maybe a couple of shots at the end zone for a Hail Mary. Instead, they pulled the bamboozle out and they went for a quarterback draw in that situation. Dak Prescott runs up the middle of the field, gets about to the 20, slides down, clock keeps rolling. Cowboys have to get up and spike it. There was a little snafu with the refs getting the ball set and they ended up running out of time. That is a very, very controversial moment because that is an insane thing to do. I mean, I get it. Like, I get what they're going for, right? Like, look, they're not going to be defending this. You're going to be able to get a free 20 yards. And if you can slide, if they could have gotten on the ball and spiked it, they would have had one shot at the end zone from like the 20, which is way preferable to two Hail Marys. So I totally get what they were going for. Um, But it wasn't disciplined enough and they weren't ready to get on the ball in time, and then the ref had that snafu, and they that was a really, really tight thing to call. They would have had to be very fast at that, or Dak Prescott would have had to take fewer yards, which is a pretty difficult judgment call to make in the moment. I mean, he's got to get down faster. That's kind of the, the thing of it. Um, but all of that said, that is a very risky call, and the idea of a quarterback draw is clever, but maybe too clever, right? If you wanted to get 20 yards over the middle, knowing that they wouldn't be defending it, you might be better off dropping back and throwing it to somebody really, really fast who can then get the ball set, get out of there. You can have, um, you can kind of set up throw and essentially as fast as your linemen can get down there because they'll be the slowest guys. That'll be it. So a quarterback draw is a very I don't know. It feels like a very young offensive coordinator overthought move to me. Um, and of course, the idea of still trying to get closer is it's it's a really greedy play. But that kind of defined the Cowboys all year. Maybe let's take it to Dan Quinn as well. That defined the Cowboys all year was greediness. You know, you had Trevon Diggs with this very greedy style of play. That's not something he does without the blessing of his coaches. You know, you, you can't be that, like that all year without the blessing of your coaches. Um, and I... I totally get why the coaches would bless that kind of play would say yeah yeah yeah, no do it keep jumping routes keep being really greedy because if you can't play man-to-man straight up and you can't smother a guy you might as well go for a million interceptions um i totally get that and and look it got him to an all pro like that's not a knock but it is a a descriptor of the cowboys defense it's a very uh go for it kind of aggressive defense 
And the Cowboys, when they were at their best, was aggressive downfield shots using Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and really like scorching people down the field. That's what you want if you're getting Quinn or Kellen Moore, right? You want somebody that's going to take a bunch of chances. Now, Dan Quinn's an interesting head coaching hire. I want to get more in depth on what that would be like once uh, the the interviews are a little bit more finalized because, of course, he's got his tenure with the Falcons. He's got all of his other... He's another defensive guy. Like, there's a lot to kind of parse out there. But at least in this game you got a glimpse of what we would get there. And whether or not it worked against Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan's 49ers, I don't think, again, should be like that important to you. But what should be important to you is like the style of defense. There's a very man-to-man, very aggressive style of defense. There's a lot of blitzes that happen when you do that. There's a lot of risk associated with doing that. It's a very aggressive style of defense. Now, whether Dan Quinn would come on, come along and have the same style of offense if he became head coach again, I don't know. But he did have a lot of high-flying offenses that he presided over with the Falcons when Kyle Shanahan was there. So we know he's had it in him, and he's had a much higher-flying offense than Mike Zimmer ever did. So I don't want any everybody to think that every defensive guy is Mike Zimmer. That's not the case. Everybody's a different person. We should research them all separately. I want to talk about the other people, too, and, of course, get to Mock Draft Monday. But first, let me tell you about the best-tasting protein bar on the planet. It is Built Bar. Built Bar is an absolutely delicious combination of a whole bunch of protein, not that much sugar, not that many calories, and it's all covered in 100% chocolate. You will crave a Built Bar. And that is perfect for when you have a late night craving that's totally going to mess up all the good stuff you're trying to do for the new year. Just reach for a Built Bar. You're going to want to reach for one. They come in a bunch of delicious flavors like salted caramel, if you're into that, double chocolate, chocolate raspberry, chocolate mint, and a bunch of special ones that come across the website every once in a while. So check out Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You can get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. Thank you so much again for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. Uh, real quick word about Nathaniel Hackett. He did interview on Sunday, as did Monty Ossenfort. I'm going to keep you updated on all the interviews, by the way. Uh, Monty Ossenfort for GM did his interview. Um, I believe Kwesi Adolfo Mensa is doing his today, and all of those will continue kind of throughout the week. They're not going to do too much head coach interviewing, I don't think, before they've actually hired the GM, but they are getting a head start. Um, but a couple other people who uh, coached were D'Amico Ryans, Todd Bowles, and Jonathan Gannon. A lot of DCs on the uh, original list. Um, of course, Nathaniel Hackett didn't coach. He doesn't have to. He's on the Packers. They got to buy. And uh, the the Rams play tonight on, on Monday Night Football. Um, yeah, th- don't worry, by the way, about all the defensive coordinators. I-, I think that's probably just more a quirk of the ones they happen to have submitted first. I don't think there's any meaning to it. And the Vikings have already said they don't really care about what side of the ball a guy comes off of. And I definitely think they're right. Like, I passionately hold that take. Don't care about what side of the ball a guy comes off of, because once you're head coach, you're going to have to manage both sides of the ball anyways. Um, and so you, it's going to take you away from those responsibilities anyways. So like, you're going to have to be like, I'm looking for somebody who is multiple, who can handle both offense and defense, uh, at, at a high level. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you have somebody like Mike McCarthy is an offensive mind, he's got Kellen Moore calling the place. Like that's a thing that happens a lot. So I want somebody that can handle both sides. And if we need, that means we need to get an offensive coordinator under the offensive head coach or the other way around. So be it. Um, anyways, let's talk about, uh, let's stick with that 49ers Cowboys game and talk about D'Amico Ryans, D'Amico Ryans, uh, defensive coordinator for the 49ers. He's somebody we haven't really, 
uh, focused on a lot. I definitely, I mean, he wasn't suggested to me in any other things we did about head coach. So um, he's an interesting guy. It seems like the players really respond to him. Of course, he did a great job on wildcard weekend. Similarly to the Kellen Moore, Dan Quinn thing. If you weren't a big fan of D'Amico Ryan's, maybe he's a little young for you. Maybe you don't want a former player. Maybe you don't want another defense guy. Don't let a wildcard game change your mind. Um, but Guess I don't mind the idea at a first glance. Seems like the players respond to him. Um, he's worked under Robert Sala, and of course he had that defense humming before, and now D'Amico Ryans has a defense humming. Um, I, I think, I don't know, it seems like a decent idea to me, but he's a guy that I definitely have not thought a ton about. Um, elsewhere on this list, of course, there is Todd Bowles, who uh, coordinated against the Eagles offense. The Eagles kicked the absolute crap out of the, or the Buccaneers kicked the absolute crap out of the Eagles. So that was a fantastic showing by Todd Bowles. He remains close to the top of my list. Interestingly, not on the list yet. Byron Leftwich, I would love to see the Vikings reach out to him as well. He was also really high on my list, both Buccaneers coordinators. I thought what Byron Leftwich did was, uh, I think, maybe even more impressive than what Todd Bowles did, because if that, e that Eagles offense has had a lot of problems, and coaxing those problems out definitely takes some skill, but the Eagles defense has been sort of a strength of theirs at times. But that Eagles defense has had some really, really good days, and to give them a bad day um, I was really impressive, and I love the way that Byron Leftwich works with his players and stuff. I really like uh, that as a possible head coaching candidate. Um, but the Vikings are interviewing the other guy in that transaction, Jonathan Gannon, who uh, is the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, not his best showing. Now, he again, he's had those Eagles playing well, um, so do not let this one game persuade your entire take on this. But when push came to shove in the playoffs, Byron Leftwich and, and Bruce Arians were dancing circles around Jonathan Gannon. Now, you got a little bit of a personnel issue, right? I don't think the Eagles have the best defensive roster right now. And you got Tom Brady on the other side. But Bruce Arians said after the game, hey, when Tom Brady figures you out, uh-oh. And you never want to be a defensive coordinator hearing that you got figured out. Um, that's a that's a tough moment. Again, this is really just a way to kind of Vikingsize the wildcard weekend because obviously wildcard weekend's the most fun thing going on in football right now, and we can at least take a Vikings eye at looking at it. Um, but other fun things that happen this time of year are mock drafts. How about that for a horrific segue? Let's get into it. The mock draft. It's mock draft Monday. That means that I'm going to do my deal uh, over at the Pro Football Network mock draft simulator. We're going to see if we can't uh, find a little bit of talent for the Vikings. These will get a lot easier once we know, like, who the coach is and we know what kind of t team or maybe have an idea of what kind of team the Vikings are going to try to build. But for now, we'll see what happens. We'll get into that in just a second. But first, let me talk to you about Gramblin. Live betting absolutely rules. It's something you can do. One of many things you can do at betonline.ag. They've got a new redesigned website for the new year. And part of that is their live betting apparatus, which updates odds and scores and, and, uh, all the props and everything live for you. So for one, if you like wanted to get a bet in and you missed the kickoff and you're like, oh no, now it won't let me bet anymore. Just live bet it. It's usually going to be the same spread. And if it isn't, then that probably has changed for a reason. And you probably want to be betting on the regular spread anyways. But I love live betting because markets kind of tend to overreact in the first quarter. Um, so like end of the first quarter, middle of the second quarter, I've been able to find some like really weird lines. Like I got Chiefs minus three and a half in the middle of the Chiefs Steelers game and they ended up winning by 21. So yeah, really cool, uh, really cool stuff over there at Bet Online. You can bet on more than just football, but of course it's playoff season. 
but you can do golf, tennis, MMA, even your favorite Vegas casino games. So head on over to betonline.ag and you can enter promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, get a 50% welcome bonus. That means half of your first deposit gets plopped directly into your account as free play money. Whatever you put in, you're getting 150% of it to gramble with. So head on over to betonline.ag, use promo code LOCKEDON when you sign up and get yourself a grambling bet online where the game starts. All right, are you ready for Mock Draft Monday? Every Monday, we are going to be doing this. I have the Pro Football Network simulator up in front of me. It is going to simulate a draft. Vikings pick 12th. We'll see who they end up with. Um, the only rule as of right now is that I can't take anybody that, that I took before. Thankfully, this time it's not going to come up because the guy I took last week, which was the first week was Derek Stingley. And in this particular simulation, he's off the board by now. Uh, so instead we have to look to somebody else. And that is just a rule so that I don't end up picking the same guy over and over and talking about the same guy for all of draft season. That'd be pretty boring. So instead I'm going to stick on the defensive side of the ball and uh, I'm going to go with an edge rusher this time. I howled and screamed last year about them taking an edge rusher. They didn't take an edge rusher. Instead, they took uh, Kellen Mond over Joseph Asai. That is a pick that I disagreed with then. I still disagree with, uh, even though, I mean, Asai got hurt. So it's kind of, and Kellen Mond didn't play. So it's not like I got any new information to change that take anyways. Uh, but I digress. David Ajabu from Michigan, the edge rusher out of Michigan, Seems like a really exciting prospect. Now, look, he's not Kayvon Thibodeau. He's not Aiden Hutchinson. And those guys are going to be gone one, two. In fact, this is the fourth edge rusher off the board in this particular simulation. Um, The Giants took one as well. But I really... Uh, I, I, this seems like a really interesting guy, especially if Andre Patterson is still in the building. Very much a thing. I don't know if he's going to be or not. It kind of is up to people who haven't been hired yet. He's very toolsy and a little raw with his technique and stuff. Not horribly raw. Doesn't sound like it. He's not like a DJ Wanham where you have to teach him things like completely from scratch. Like he does have pass rush moves, but a lot of it's motor and physical tools. He's six, five, 250 pounds. And, uh, he's just got a lot of motor and a lot of traits and a lot of length. And he just kind of wins with athleticism. Obviously those athleticism wins are going to dry up a lot at the NFL level. Um, so he'll have to learn things, but hopefully like, here's the deal with a lot of these draft prospects. This is going to be a a chorus that I say a lot throughout all of draft season. You're going to hear it so much from me. You're going to get sick of it is, With raw project players, a a big thing is, can they do enough to get on the field just a little bit so that they can get those developmental reps? Look at a guy like Patrick Jones, where he didn't get a lot of time, like he didn't earn a starting job or anything, but he got enough to get out there and be on the field for some pass rushing reps that he can learn from now. Like he justified those reps. You can't force those reps, right? You can't just put a crappy player out there just to learn. You got games to win. But if you can earn enough of those reps where you can, you know, you got to earn the learning experience, um, that is goes a big, long way toward, hey, now you can have all the upside in the world and I actually see a path toward you realizing it versus somebody that's like, yeah, well, they're completely unplayable and probably shouldn't sniff the NFL, but they've got a lot of talent. And it's like, well, what do we do with that? How much work do we have to put in to actually unlock it? And is there an easier path to getting a good player somewhere? And so with Ajabu, that's kind of where it's at. It's that you can get enough wins, you can justify putting him on the field. So with Ajabu, that's where it's at. He's got the physical tools that are super, super lights out. That is what would make him a first-round prospect. But you're not getting yourself into a situation where you're going to take a guy in the first round and then that guy won't see the field. Plus, the idea of like taking an edge rusher and having an edge rusher. Let's say that Ajabu, I mean, can he beat out DJ Wanham right off the bat? You'd think so, right? Now, I... I 
super reserved the right to change all of these opinions. I think this time last year, I was really high on Gregory Rousseau. He ended up being like my nightmare player. Uh, but if he can beat out DJ Wanham for a starting role or whatever random free agent you bring in the middle of the offseason, you can have like bookend edge rushers where you have like David Ajabu, big time first round guy with all the tools in the world. And then Daniil Hunter, who's already realized that potential and is kind of the example of all of this, right? Where he just got in enough rotationally to get his his uh, technique and stuff down. And then when he came out for his second year, he really, really exploded. He was not he was like a rotational guy his first year. But if you have those two bookend edge rushers, this is a, a, a good way to sort of make a pick that doesn't I don't need to know the head coach for because there is no defensive scheme in the entire world that d- can't use two really good pass rushing guys off the edge. Of course, that also uh, assumes that you have Daniel Hunter in the building, which is also a question mark. Oh, we'll talk about all that stuff in a, at, at a later date. Uh, but for now, David Ajabu, edge rusher out of Michigan, is the pick. And the idea of picking an edge rusher and uh, shoring up that pass rush and kind of, I mean, look, we're in a rebuild right now. I'm not afraid of the R-word. We are in a rebuild. The roster is going to fall apart. There's a lot of one-year deals expiring, a lot of guys on the end of their deal that are expiring, and a new GM and a new coach, and a decent enough chance, a new quarterback. This is a new team that's all going to have to gel together. So this is going to be a rebuilding here, and that means we have to kind of discuss what's the foundation. That's what I want out of this first pick, this 12th uh, number 12 pick. I don't care what position the guy plays, really. I mean, outside of kicker, right? I, I want a foundational guy. And if David Ajabu can be that, if he can turn into that foundational, that build around him kind of guy and have a rebuilding year to kind of hone that, then yeah, I'm all for that kind of pick. If you're interested in hanging around for more Mock Draft Mondays, come back every Monday, but Gosh darn it, come back every day for the Lockdown Vikings podcast. For example, tomorrow is Twitter Tuesday. So you have any questions for me, you can go ahead and shoot them to me at Luke Brown NFL on Twitter at Lockdown Vikings on Twitter. You can send an email to Lockdown Vikings podcast at gmail.com or uh, there's a Google form in the show notes as well. While you wait for that, check out the Lockdown Bets podcast. Your boy Q and, and Lee Sterling will get your gramble straight. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, skull.